Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Hello, everybody. Welcome into the Daily Ding You presented by BetMGM on an Elite Eight Monday. I've never said that in my lifetime. Of course, I'm Michael Feller. Uh, we've got a couple of Elite Eight games on a Monday, two more on Tuesday. Certainly an unexpected group of eight teams that are still remaining playing college basketball this season. And that is reflected in the lines on these four games. And so exactly what we're talking about on these next couple episodes of Ding You. Today's episode will focus on the Monday night games. And to help me do that, I bring in my co-host of Ding You, Brian Bennett. And Brian, we were talking right before we got going here. Uh, four games in the Elite Eight. We're used to this being one versus two, one versus three, maybe two versus four, games like that. Close games. All four games have spread of seven and a half or higher. These are unexpected matchups, but fun games. All eight teams have definitely earned their way to this point of the tournament. Uh, how you doing today on this Monday, getting ready for these first two games? <laughs> I'm doing great. I want to apologize to America for my terrible bets last week. I think I went <laughs> uh, one and three, uh, giving you Syracuse and Alabama and the Michigan Florida State over. Those were all horrible picks. <laughs> but uh, that's why, uh, you know, it's difficult to bet this particular tournament, especially this year. And I think that's why we're seeing some of these lines being as small as they are because things have been so unpredictable. I don't know how you can look at any of these teams and say that team is for sure going to blow the other team out, which hopefully makes for some great games in the next two days. Yeah, you know, there's there's one of these four games uh, over the next couple of days that I do feel that way about, but little teaser, we'll save that one for about 24 <laughs> hours from now. It's one of the Tuesday night games that I've got my eye on there. Let's talk about these Monday night games, Brian. Let's dive right in. Uh, the, uh, the original final in the Midwest region, the first game, of our Elite Eight quadruple header over the next couple of days. Number two, Houston, laying eight points against number 12, Oregon State, 129 and a half, the over-under in this game. And we're going to see, get used to money lines like this in the Elite Eight. Houston minus 400, Oregon State wow. plus 310. I mean, maybe you get one of those in a typical tournament season. We have four of those in this tournament season. I was joking before we got going here. I'm done pretending that I know what's going to happen in an Oregon State game. I think it's <laughs> going to be a fun game. I trust Houston to win this game. The eight feels a little heavy to me just with the way Oregon State's played. And again, it's not just the three games that have gotten them to the Elite Eight. Let's go back to the Pac-12 tournament. Also, you know, go back to before the Pac-12 tournament. This was a team that wasn't even on the bubble. They weren't in Eamon Brennan's bubble watch really yeah. at any point this season, and now here they are, one of the eight last teams remaining. I am not really going to pretend like I know what this team's going to do. <laughs> Is there anything about this game that jumps out at you? Well, actually, let's start with this. What does jump out at you from just an X's and O's, how this game plays out on the court perspective? Yeah, I think there's a lot of pixie dust in Corvallis right now or something. <laughs> yeah. They did win the Pac-12 tournament, which, of course, the Pac-12's greatest conference in the history of mankind this year, apparently. Uh, what stands out to me is how good defensively both these teams have been, particularly in this tournament. 
Houston, very, very, very impressive. Shutting down Syracuse and Buddy Bayheim just made life miserable for the Orange all night long. Oregon State just completely collapsed everything Loyola Chicago was trying to do. They, I mean, they, would they have 17 points in the first half? 16. It, yeah. 16 points in the first half and just have locked everybody down in this tournament so far. And so I think what we're going to see is, is a defensive battle, clearly. Both teams play pretty slow paces. I think they're both in the 300s in tempo. So I don't think there's going to be a ton of possessions here. Both teams pretty good on the boards. Of course, Houston, a great offensive rebounding team. Oregon State's been a good rebounding team in this tournament. So I think it could be a low possession game, a low scoring game, a defensive battle. Maybe it'll be 47-45 at the end. Who knows? So if I was going to bet anywhere here, I think I would take the points and I would take the under. How about you, Michael? Yeah, 305 is the adjusted tempo for Oregon State, according to Ken Palm. 326 for Houston. And Houston deliberately slow on the offensive end of the floor. And Oregon State is going to be happy to, I don't know if I would say let them play that pace, but basically you're not going to have either team most likely looking to speed this game up. So that 129.5 number for the over-under, it does jump out at me as the my favorite play in this game. I, I'm staying away from the line again. Uh, Oregon State's been just such an unpredictable team, uh, really uh, this, uh, going back to the Pac-12 tournament and certainly in the NCAA tournament. So the eight, as big as it does feel, I just don't trust at the bottom, won't necessarily fall out against a really good defensive and offensive rebounding team in Houston. That's what scares me. If I was inclined to get in on anything in this game, it would be on the under and here we go one of these teams going to be representing the midwest region in the final four next weekend let's move on over to the south region here brian this one a little bit more expected of a matchup the number one seed baylor the number three seed arkansas but still uh speaks to how good baylor and gonzaga have been all season that baylor could be going up against a rightful number three seed a team that has looked great that has knocked off a couple of really good teams to get to where they are and still be eight point favorites in this Elite Eight matchup. 148.5 is the over-under. Again, as I said, the money lines, they are going to be big in this Elite Eight. 400 for Baylor, minus 400 Arkansas. You're going to get 3.1 on your money uh, if you do bet them, and they are able to pull this one out. This is a super fun game. I don't think – I think that Baylor deserves to be eight-point favorites. I don't think uh, oddsmakers are doing anyone uh, any favor by installing them as eight-point favorites. I could see Baylor covering the eight and the score not quite telling the story – of the game because of the way Arkansas plays and because Arkansas's pace you know, has them, I think, suited to get into a game, a high-scoring sort of game with Baylor. So that's actually where I go with this game. I I'm not really interested in catching the eight on Arkansas because I really don't want to bet against Baylor or Gonzaga at any point this season. I don't want to also necessarily trust Baylor to win this game going away, but points, 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 I think are going to be the story of this game. So I look at that total, and that's something that jumps out at me. I think we can get north of that, you know, wherever it ends up landing, 148, 149, 149 and a half, wherever it ends up actually going off tonight, whether you're listening to us now, whether you're listening to us later, whether you're making a wager right before tip-off, I feel pretty comfortable about where this total is going to land that these two teams are going to be able to combine and get over it. Very excited for Baylor's guards against Arkansas's pace. I think it's going to be a ton of fun. What are you looking for in this matchup? Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. Both teams just have so many switchable defenders. Yeah. Um, not real big inside necessarily, but uh, have great athletes on the perimeter. They can play a lot of different ways. They can be versatile. Both really, really good defenses. I don't, I don't know that people really understand that Arkansas 
So top 10 in Kempom, adjusted defensive efficiency, uh, number 10, in fact. And that's 17 spots higher than Baylor, which I don't think a lot of people would have guessed. Uh, some of that has to do with Baylor dipping a little bit after their COVID pause. But still, Arkansas has been right up there with some of the best defenses in the country. So this could be more of a defensive struggle uh, than maybe you're giving it credit for or, or that a lot of people <laughs> will. But uh, we'll see. Uh, you know, the thing I look at, Baylor beat Villanova by 11, thankfully, because that's the one pick I got right last week. But, there you go. Uh, they couldn't hit a shot from outside. Whether three for nineteen on three, something like that, they couldn't get anything. Mitchell, Teague, Butler, none of them can make a shot. That almost never happens. They're second in the country going in that game in three point percentage as a team. Mm-hmm. Arkansas basically didn't take any threes uh, against Oral Roberts. I think they were one for nine for the game. They basically abandoned the three point line in the second half, just drove it to the rim relentlessly, which was a, a, a great idea against a, a, an Oral Roberts team where they had a huge athleticism advantage. They're not going to be able to do that against Baylor. That's for mm-hmm. sure. You're going to have to hit some shots from the outside because you're not going to just drive the ball in against Davion Mitchell and Maceo Teague and all those guys. So I really like the matchup for Baylor. Uh, I could see it going a couple different ways, but as you mentioned, and I'm with you, I'm not picking against Baylor or Gonzaga in this tournament if I can help it. And I'm going to probably pick Baylor here, but it's probably mostly a stay away from me. We can fast forward, or maybe we'll end up fast forwarding what a little bit more than a week, and we will have to pick against one of Baylor or Gonzaga <laughs> if things play to script and those two teams meet in the national championship game. But uh, you mentioned it. I mean, the fact that Baylor shot as poorly as it did from three-point range against Villanova, something Baylor never does. That's something they could basically always count on, that at least one of their guys is going to be knocking down some shots from distance. Nobody was, and they still were pretty much relatively in control of that game comfortably, especially in the second half. This is just a phenomenal team top to bottom. Should be a great game between Baylor and Arkansas as the nightcap uh, tonight. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Uh, you know, we, uh, we've been talking to Jason Scott from BetMGM. Of all ding you long. And Jason, uh, as you've uh, probably picked up, he's uh, Australian. He's headed back home to Australia. So no Jason today. Safe travels, Jason. Of course, we'll talk to you uh, for the final four next week. But we've got someone in his place. Seamus McGee from BetMGM joins us now on this episode of Ding You. Seamus, first, uh, thanks for joining us, man. Thanks for filling in for Jason. We appreciate it. Oh, pleasure to be here, guys. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. It is uh, our pleasure. It's been fun checking in uh, with the view from the sportsbook uh, all tournament long here on Ding You. Let's start with the first game of the day tonight, Houston and Oregon State. Where did you guys open this line and how have betters been treating it since this matchup has been set over the last, what, 36 hours or so? Yeah, so we hung uh, Houston minus eight and a half uh, when the line opened up and uh, some sharp action took that down to uh, minus eight which uh, that's where we sit now. Um, we're getting a lot of money coming in on uh, Oregon State plus the eight, though. So um, still there as of, the, as of this moment. So we'll see how that ends up. A uh, lot of Oregon State money line coming in as well. Wow. Um, but one thing that is interesting to look at, we have, uh, we have some liability on Houston to win the region. So it should kind of actually balance out in the end, the winner of this game. 
uh, opened up the total at 130 and a half. And as you guys said, this is the lowest total on the board. And uh, the betters still, they liked it even more under. So down to 129 now. Um, interesting to note, in our retail side of business, we took a six-figure bet on uh, Houston minus seven at minus 120, bought half a point there. So it's, uh, it's shaping up to be an interesting book on this game, <laughs> to say the least. Yeah, that was my bet. Hopefully it hits. Uh, it's <laughs> Entire life savings on that. <laughs> uh, I have the same question for you for Baylor and Arkansas. Uh, we see it at minus eight now. Uh, it was a pretty big line, uh, one versus a three. But where did you open up, and how have you seen the action in the last couple of days? So we opened up at uh, Baylor minus seven, and uh, that's gone all the way up to the high as minus eight, and now we're sitting around seven and a half now as well. It's a really good book, 50-50 money going each way on the, on the spread. Uh, opened the total at 149 and a half. Nothing real interesting about the, the total here. I, it moved down to 148 and a half, but yeah, it's actually good 50-50 split on the book so far for this game uh, around the minus eight. Um, no, no, nothing real liability wise on minus seven and a half, but it's uh, it's a good even book right now. Yeah, this was a hard one to crack. As uh, as I said, as we introduced this game, just uh, it doesn't feel like there's a, an obvious answer, an easy way to go on either side of this one. Uh, part of the reason I'll be staying away from uh, both sides in this game and just trusting these teams to do what they do offensively and score the basketball in this game tonight. Let's spin things forward 24 hours. We're going to get to talk to you again tomorrow, but let's uh, take an early look at the two games that we do have tomorrow. First, uh, let's look at Gonzaga and USC. Again, we're going to ask you the same question. Where'd this open? How have betters been treating it over the last 20, uh, 12 hours or so? Yeah, so I think probably the most interesting matchup on the board uh, for the, mm-hmm. the Elite Eight. Uh, we opened nine and a half, which is interesting. So I can't, I can't remember the last time I saw Gonzaga less than 10 points. Right. <laughs> this season so far so open nine and a half and sharps bet it up to minus nine so some uh some usc money's coming in early uh but since then we're starting to see some some gonzaga money coming in from the public so i right now we're sticking at nine i think it's going to stay there for a little bit but we'll see who come tip off that's when the real money starts coming in mm-hmm. and same question for michigan ucla probably the closest thing we have to a, a blue blood battle not maybe not quite on those but uh how, where do you see that and where it's began, begun and where, where it's headed? So we opened seven and a half and we're still there. Um, haven't seen much like real sharp action push, pushing either side either way. So mm-hmm. we're still hanging seven and a half and it's been really good uh, action on both sides so far. And uh, same with the total, opened 137 and a half, made a small move down to 136 and a half. But uh, yeah, I remember we were, we were talking about all these games last night thinking where the numbers are going to open up and we just kept coming around to that eight and a half, seven and a half. So definitely interesting for this, uh, this part of the tournament this weekend. Yeah. Gonzaga, UCLA, Michigan, or Gonzaga, USC, Michigan, UCLA. I'm looking forward to talking to those games with you tomorrow. Seamus get 24 more hours of action on them and people to think about them. I think we're going to see some movement on those. And I'm going to guess off the top of my head, uh, Gonzaga for the last time they were opened at less than 10, maybe that game all the way back in, was that December, or early January against Iowa? I mean, I would guess that was the last time that they were not double-digit favorites, and uh, we'll see if it ends up pushing up back to double digits. But that's where we sit for now going into uh, Elite Eight Monday. Seamus, thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. Anytime, guys. Look forward to tomorrow. 
All right, as we've been doing all ding you long, of course, we're still partnering with BetMGM to bring you the best exclusive offer. Bet alongside us and win right now. We're offering ding you listeners a risk-free first bet up to $600. Just sign up at BetMGM.com. Use the bonus code DAILYDING to take advantage of this special offer from the king of sportsbooks. This offer is for new customers. It's a risk-free first bet up to $600 at BetMGM.com with the bonus code DAILYDING. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. All right, Brian, let's move on. I mean, this Elite Eight was made for our next two guests. We talked to them last week, Peter Keating and Jordan Brenner, inventors of the slingshot model. What does the slingshot model do? It highlights games with at least a seed difference of five and looks for upsets. And what do you know? We have three such games in the Elite Eight where we do have a seed difference of at least five spots. So let's go ahead and get Jordan and Peter into the show here you guys i mean it's your moment four <laughs> eight games and three of them have this difference this i mean are, are you just over the moon here everything's coming up racket breakers it's uh <laughs> it's like it's like it's like vcu in triplicate it's crazy <laughs> because you know when you think like small underdog not much of a program you think ucla yeah, yeah, yeah of exactly. course right of course yeah. right ucla usc are three power conference teams representing the uh, the teams getting us to these three games. So uh, let's jump right in. Let's jump in with um, with the one game of the three that we have tonight. Peter, I'm going to go to you first here. And just before we actually talk about Oregon State versus Houston and the chances that you guys are giving them to pull off this upset, how has the model treated Oregon State just in this entire tournament, given that every single game along the way, with the exception of their game against Loyola, has had them in this bracket-breaking position? Well, we recognize Oregon State as the kind of team that causes big, strong teams that rely on offensive rebounding a lot of trouble. They play slow. They get offensive rebounds of their own. Um, At the beginning of the tournament, we said things like they can hit threes when they need to. And then they went out and shot 45 percent on three uh, from threes, uh, you know, in their first couple of games. Um, They can grind you down. And, and you'll notice when they play teams, the other teams look frustrated. They look visibly irritated that they can't just impose their will on this team that's supposed to not be as good as them. So that's the kind of team that causes problems for, well, teams like Houston, actually. Um, so we like them, but let's be honest. I mean, according to anybody's power ratings, they were the worst power conference team by far uh, to make the tournament. So there's no way that any analytics-based method could have said, "Oh yeah, these guys, you know, these guys are favored. You know, these guys are favored to beat Tennessee, or whoever." Mm-hmm. I mean, we saw paths to victory, but um, you know, we we didn't call them as particularly upset worthy. Yeah, I'm surprised Oregon State didn't cause your computers to just start catching fire because they have definitely broken my brain right, during this bracket. But or, Jordan, or at- caused this. Or Oregon State's kind of a mild, a mild case of that. <laughs> For yeah. sure. Well, oh, Jordan, uh, let's talk about it then. What sort of chance does Slingshot give the Beavers to beat Houston? Um, you know, it, it's interesting, first of all, just to what we were talking about in the computers for a second. We wrote about this at the beginning of the tournament. There's there's so much less knowledge coming in this year because there was so little um, non-conference play. Mm-hmm. They're like, for instance, if you follow Ken Palm, I've never seen the ratings change this much within the tournament. I right. think mm-hmm. now like USC is might be sixth in the country on Ken Palm. Yeah. yeah, UCLA is 16. So like 
it's reacting so much in real time to what these teams are doing because there's so much less sample that I think we're still figuring out um, what a lot of these teams are. Um, now, Houston, we kind of knew was really good all along, and they're and they're proving everything our model thought about them. Um, they're all, you know, we talked before the Syracuse game, right, about how their offensive rebounding was the difference in that game, and you saw it. I mean, Syracuse could not get a body on them in that zone, and you know, second chance point after second chance point, they dominated. Um, that to me, it's like being a, in a poker game where you want to have a lot of outs. Offensive rebounding is an out for Houston. So even if they don't shoot well, and we saw what happened when when they did shoot well against Syracuse, even if they don't shoot well against Oregon State, they have this other weapon that like Loyola and Tennessee didn't necessarily have. Uh, you know, Peter, what do you think on that? Yeah, I think speaking of other tools in the toolbox, I mean, Houston forces a lot of turnovers mm-hmm. and eight steals, um, limiting which helped limit Syracuse to the fewest points they've ever scored in a tournament game. Um, they also limit opponents to under 30% shooting on threes. Uh, Houston's got a lot of ways to shut down killers that, you know, when you see the, what we call generic giants, right? I mean, overdogs that shoot well, but don't have those kind of smothering possession, strangling tactics. Houston's got a whole bunch of them. So, you know, having said that we've given Oregon State about this same exact percentage chance all along to win, we uh, Slingshot gives them a 27% chance to pull off an upset. It's definitely a tournament of matchups as we talk about every single year. Maybe this is the toughest matchup Oregon State has faced to date in the tournament. Hey, maybe even go back to the Pac-12 tournament, the toughest matchup they've faced uh, for what they bring to the table uh, going back a uh, better part of a month now. Uh, let's move on to uh, UCLA and Michigan, a game that will be tipping off tomorrow night at 10 o'clock Eastern, which I'm sure is to the delight of uh, all those Michigan fans in Ann Arbor and Detroit and other parts of the Eastern time zone of the United States. Uh, Peter, take a look at this game. Uh, again, Jordan said UCLA shooting up the Ken Palm ranks. I believe they were 48th at the start of the tournament and now inside the top 20. What chances are you giving them to pull off the upset, beat Michigan, move on to the final four? We give them some chance. Our statistical model says there's about 31% chance for an upset which is not too shabby. Um, Jordan's pointed out that the tricky part for UCLA, despite all the, the the good they've done this tournament, is that Michigan's statistical profile is like an uppercase version of, of the Bruins' own profile. Both teams play at below average pace. Um, Michigan also protects the ball. Michigan has above average offensive rebounding and actually rebounding at both ends. And they hit an even higher percentage of threes um, even though they take a lot of threes. Mm-hmm. So there are reasons, the same reasons you might like UCLA, Michigan does all those things a little better. And a week ago, we were thinking that, that injuries might really derail Michigan, but that hasn't happened. I mean, Brandon Johns has stepped up and scored. Um, I think he scored a third as many points in the last three games as he did all season. So, uh, you know, Everybody's ride has to stop somewhere, even when they look very impressive. And UCLA is just up against it in this in this game. Definitely, you know, Jordan. It, it sounds weird to call USC a potential Cinderella <laughs> when they're you know got a top three lottery pick. Uh, you know, one of the best freshman <laughs> big men we've seen in a long time. But I guess everybody is a uh, underdog against Gonzaga these days. So, what does your model say about USC's chances in this one? So it gives them a 24% chance of winning, which, you know, I haven't looked at the money line today, but I imagine that that actually might tempt people. Um, Look, 
Gonzaga, you know, our model loves Gonzaga like everybody else does. It loves them more as a team than as like a, a giant that staves off upsets. But, um, you know, you see, USC has some real weapons they have um, in terms of variance, particularly their offensive rebounding. It's going to be a great battle because obviously Gonzaga gets on the defensive boards. Um, the tricky part is USC, they're the fourth ranked defense in the country. They don't gamble much. They don't force many turnovers. Um, they only do an, an okay job of taking away the arc. And against Gonzaga in particular, it's a game where you really have to increase your variance, um, even with a lottery pick, even as well as USC has been playing. You want to take more risks. And I'm kind of looking at ways, you know, obviously Andy Enfield knows a thing or two about um, increasing variance and knocking off uh, bigger opponents. But I'm not sure stylistically what else USC can do, which means they're just going to have to pl- outplay them playing their game. And, you know, that's a recipe for trouble um, for any slightly less talented team. Andy Enfield knows a thing or two about covering spreads also in the NCAA tournament. The betters' favorite, if you ask just a, a group of betters, who's the best NCAA tournament coach uh, ever? Maybe they would say Andy Enfield. Guys, hey, look, I, I, I wore my Hopkins spread. shirt today and tribute to Andy Enfield. There, there you, go. you go. There yeah. you go. Hopefully he sees this and we, maybe he'll uh, send you something from the beach or something uh, when he gets back to USC. Uh, by the way, though, the, uh, the uh, money line on USC plus 360. So what, that's about 20% uh, of an implied chance? Sitting yeah. there from uh, from the money line, so uh, that's where that's where things sit. Going to be very hard for anyone, of course, to win a money line bet going up against Gonzaga. That goes for every team remaining in the tournament. Jordan Brenner, Peter Keating, thanks so much for joining us again today on Ding You, you guys. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks. All right, moving right along here on this episode of Ding You. Next, we turn to a couple of our athletic colleagues to help us make some sense of just the games. Tonight, we'll be looking at tomorrow's games uh, with some other colleagues. Today, we got Eamon Brennan and Kyle Tucker joining us to talk about uh, the two games that we have tonight, Houston, Oregon State, and Baylor, Arkansas. Guys, thanks so much for joining us once again here. Uh, Eamon, I'm going to give the first question to you here. Uh, again, uh, we bring it up as our uh, our resident bubble expert at the Athletic Oregon State, nowhere near your radar at the end of February, at the beginning of March. This was a team that had to win the Pac-12 tournament to get into the dance. They do that, and now here they are, one of the last eight teams playing basketball. Uh, to your eye, I mean, what have they done differently in the tournament that they weren't doing at all during the regular season? Um, everything. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it is, it's weird with Oregon State. It's hard to pinpoint. Sometimes you do see teams, and you see it at, at all levels. Like, I remember the – um, what was the the Duke 2014-15 team that, that won the title that was pretty bad defensively that whole year. And then they got in the NCAA tournament and just bang, like hit a switch and were really good defensively. Their talent kind of took over and they figured a few things out with, with all those freshmen. Um, I'm not saying Oregon State is near that level, but you see it at all different tiers where, yeah, sometimes a team just like figures something out defensively and they're really good uh, or they play a zone that they hadn't mastered yet or whatever the case may be. With Oregon State, you know, the they were, I think, the seventh best team in the Pac-12 per possession on the offensive end, ninth best on the defensive end. Um, they've been really good. So in the Pac-12 tournament, they were really good offensively kind of out of nowhere. And it was kind of easy to dismiss as like, OK, this team just got really hot. And if, you know, of the two 12 seeds that came into the tournament, having won their con- you know major conference titles, you would have thought Georgetown would be the one that like, oh, wow, look how good they're playing defensively. This is sustainable. But Oregon State's gotten in the tournament and suddenly started guarding like crazy. They held Tennessee to 56 points and 67 trips. 
Oklahoma State and Cade Cunningham to 70 and 78. Um, how Loyola Chicago and managed to get a few buckets against a very good Ramblers defense as well. Um, you know, it's one of those things that just everything is everything is working. Everything looks better. Everything's more fluid on the offensive end. Uh, shots are falling. I think free throws especially are falling. I think they've missed five free throws in the whole tournament. Um, so yeah, you know, a little bit better execution on both ends of the both ends of the ball. Marginal wins here and there, and then yeah, making a lot of free throws. All of a sudden, you find yourself in the elite eight. I've been saying since November that Oregon State was going to make the Elite Eight. I don't know where you guys were, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> now let's uh, let's uh, move on to the other game real quick, uh, Kyle, with uh, Arkansas Baylor. You know, a- another game where Arkansas falls behind by double digits, comes back, wins by two. Uh, the must bus apparently takes a while to get get going here in the postseason, <laughs> but uh, really really tough matchup for them with Baylor. But but they do have the athletes. What do you think the the formula is here for Arkansas to, to possibly pull this upset off? just play hard as hell. And I think that, you know, I think that's something they do. Um, you know, there was so much when people thought about the sec, I think people thought so much about Alabama and if they just make their free throws, Alabama's still playing as well. It was a, a shocking sort of way for that team to go down, but um, maybe lost sight of Arkansas. Um, the fact that, I mean, Arkansas was one of the hottest teams in the country. They're, they're 15 and two since mid January. Uh, they lost a tight game at Oklahoma state and then didn't lose again to the sec uh, semifinals the last team to beat Alabama since, uh, you know, in a month and a half, two months. Um, and they've got dudes. I mean, the thing that's really interesting about this team to me um, is it's like, you know, Muss has kind of combined what he could do at Nevada with what you can do at a program like, Ar- like Arkansas and the SEC. You know, he's he's got all these transfers. You've got Justin Smith from Indiana and JT Note from Jacksonville and Jalen Tate from Northern Kentucky and, and others. Um, who are key figures for them and veteran guys who really know how to play college basketball and are kind of unfazed by the moment, I feel like, um, with these elite freshmen. And, and so much focus has been on Moses, Moses Moody, who's been terrific. And if I was Baylor, I'd be worried about because he's kind of due. Uh, he hasn't done a lot in this NCAA tournament relative to his expectations, you know, 12, 13, 14 points in all of these NCAA tournament games. Before that, he'd scored 28 in three of his last four. So I think he's due to kind of go off. Um, but but we a little bit overlook uh, Devo Davis, and he has kind of come alive here. He's a state player of the year in Arkansas. Uh, that's another sort of recipe to this uh, piece of this recipe. You know, you're getting these transfers, also getting top 10 recruiting class with guys, these really good players in the state of Arkansas. And, and Arkansas fans who've waited so long to go this deep, you know, 20-plus years, part of the pain has been watching elite players from the state go other places like Kentucky, you know, Malik Monk. Those guys are now at Arkansas, homegrown guys playing alongside these transfers. And they, they've got talent. They've got veteran dudes who know. I mean, Justin Smith's made all the difference in the world. He's, he's averaging like 20 and 11 in the NCAA tournament. I think Arkansas is like 24 and 2, 24 and 1 since he um, – with him in the lineup. Um, he's just a huge difference maker. I mean, I think they can play with Baylor, and I think they play hard enough and can be frustrating enough um, and make enough athletic plays to really, you know, they could put that team on its heels. Even no one's going to suggest that uh, that Baylor just wakes up tonight, you know, rolls rolls out to the court, and just takes care of business. It's going to be a very tough matchup. But they are also eight point favorites in this game for a reason, and viewed as the uh, comfortable favorite not only to win this game but to at least get to the championship game and square off against Gonzaga. So how do they best assert the fact that they're simply? the better team top to bottom in this game. 
I mean, making threes would be a good way to start. It's something they, at their best, they do really well. They've done all season. Um, and you heard mentioned on the broadcast the other night that this was the best three-point shooting team in the country for much of the year and how much they had struggled against Villanova making shots. I thought a lot of that, um, or at least a good chunk of it, was due to Villanova's, Villanova's game plan, playing kind of a, a, a matchup zone, fronting the post, making things kind of weird and tricky on the offensive end for Baylor. Um it, it it worked for a while, and then Baylor did that thing that Baylor does when they're when they're playing really well, which is three, four, five buckets in a row, and a bunch of stops in a row, and then all of a sudden you're down by ten or thirteen, and that's pretty much the game. Um, I think for Arkansas, um, if Baylor's hitting shots, it's just going to be an uphill battle all night. If not, or if it's just sort of at a low ebb, um, then yeah, Arkansas can can give this Baylor team a game. I think with Baylor right now, given how veteran they are, how locked in they are and how many different ways they have to hurt you on the offensive end, you know, with particularly with their backcourt, I think you got to get out in front of them. Um, I think that second half run that we've seen from them all year, um, midway through the second half where they, again, put up 10 or 12 points in a row on you. And then the game is over and they kind of cruise it from there. Um, I think you got to get out in front of that. I think you need to be up by 10. You need to be up by 15. I think you, you have to start really, really well against them. You have to put them on their heels. You have to put game pressure on them and make them scared that this is going to, you know, that this is going to be their last game in the tournament. Make them feel the way I think Alabama felt against UCLA for pretty much that entire game last night. Mm-hmm. Um, it's much more difficult to make shots, to make threes, to play freewheeling and loose and have fun when you feel like you're a number one seed and it's all about to go down the drain. So I think Arkansas has to get out in front, really put some pressure on early. And then, you know, Baylor will make its run, but, but be in good position and, and see how things go in the last 10, 10 minutes, five minutes, three minutes. Yeah, and Kyle, I think it's interesting. If you line these teams up, you know, athletically, uh, the way they look, it's not that different. They don't play – either one really plays through a traditional postman all that much, uh, very switchable on the perimeter. Uh, but what's what's maybe one one or two individual matchups in this game that really intrigues you? Well, I'm just, I'm, I'm just really curious to see, um, you know – to me, it's, it's it's for Arkansas. It's all about do they have one of the two guys who can kind of go nuclear, go nuclear. We've seen uh, JD Note do that. We've seen Moses Moody do that. And I think you know for all the you know for all the focus on on Baylor's offense this year because of all the threes, um, that's a team that's that's always really been able to defend you. They've got uh, I think terrific defenders. They can make those guys really uncomfortable. I don't know that they have any, as well as, you know, as well as I'm saying, uh, Justin Smith has played. I don't know that um, this is a situation where you can just throw it to him and, and, and let him go to work. I think it's going to have to be done um, from the perimeter. And can Baylor frustrate those guys? Like I said, Moody is not played particularly great. He shot it terrible the other night, uh, I think four for 20 or something. Um but he's he's a guy who will go nuclear. Uh, Note I think scored twenty eight or thirty uh, on on one of his off nights in the SEC tournament. Neither of those guys have really gone crazy. I mean, Devo Davis one of the reasons his numbers are up I think, and Justin Smith in this tournament is they've had to pick up some of the slack. But I don't think they can beat Baylor if they don't have, especially Moody. But I, you know, I'd like to see Note um, kind of come back to life a little bit as well. So I, you know, if they can, if Baylor is able to. Forget about making shots. I think if, if Baylor's able to frustrate those two guys, then it's, you know, it's game over. 
Yeah, no offense to Oregon State, but this uh, Baylor-Arkansas matchup uh, as the nightcap certainly the game that, uh, at least me, I don't want to speak for all you guys, but the game I am most looking forward to, not only tonight, but perhaps in this entire Elite Eight. Kyle Tucker, Eamon Brennan, thanks so much for joining us, guys. Thank you. Thanks, guys. All right, Brian, one more piece of business left for us to do. It is to name our favorite bets, our best bets for this night. Not tomorrow night. Don't worry about tomorrow. We will come back and talk about tomorrow's games tomorrow. Just Monday night, whether it's a side, whether it's a total. You know, it wouldn't be a show brought to you by BetMGM if we didn't sign off with at least one best bet from each of us. So uh, I'm feeling like things are going in your way. That After a rough weekend, <laughs> things are turning around for you. What do you got for us in tonight's games? Well, sure. Best is a very relative term here. Uh, I think these these are two difficult uh, games to bet in general. But I will take, as we mentioned earlier, I'll take Oregon State and the points, and I'll also throw in the under there. So I expect, a, I expect a low scoring game, fairly close, low possessions. Give me those two. Maybe I'll hit one and I feel halfway decent about myself. Look at this. You're like, uh, you know, a hitter who's gone 0 for 4 and ready to bounce back with a two homer game on uh, Monday night, right? Monday night, new go. series. Got a getaway day behind you. Let's hit a couple of home runs tonight. I'm just going to throw one out there. I've got a couple I really like tomorrow. I'm already excited to talk about those. Hello, Michigan. But for tonight, I am just going to stick with the over in Baylor and Arkansas. I do think that Baylor's offense shows up in a big way. I think that you don't really keep those shooters quiet too long. I think they bounce back from the, the poor shooting effort that they had against Villanova with a big night. And I think Arkansas, on the other side, is a good enough team and a good enough offense and plays the right sort of pace to be able to keep up with a hot shooting Baylor team. So I think that number goes over the total. Right now it's at 148 and a half. Wouldn't be to see it move up a little bit, but no matter where it is, between 148 and 149 and a half, I like it to go over that number. So that is where I will leave my best bet, and that is where we will leave you on this episode of Ding You. Thanks to everyone for watching live. Of course, you can catch us on the Daily Ding podcast feed, and also you can watch this broadcast again and again and again as you get ready for Monday's Elite Eight games. We are back with you on Tuesday, 2.30 Eastern time. Thanks again for watching. For Brian Bennett, let's see if I can do all this. Brian Bennett, Seamus McGee, Peter Keating, Jordan Brenner, Eamon Brennan, and Kyle Tucker, and our man behind the scenes, Mike Zimmerman. I am Michael Beller. Thanks for watching. Good luck with any bets you might have tonight, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.